Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art that's available in the comic book industry. From trivia to book discussions and to interviews, this is Indie Comics. And it's another episode of Indie Comics. This is Tyler, and who am I with today? Uh, you're with Mom. And Mark Martinez. And uh, you're going to hear fans in the background. Sorry for the audio quality. It's just, uh, it's hot as balls, and we don't want to die. So, yeah, anyway. it's, it's really it's hot. It's our right fans. So this, oh, our adoring oh fans. God. I love it. I love you. Okay, so um, in this episode, too. we're going to do something different. We're not doing a comic book, per se, a comic uh, pick of the month this um, this month, obviously. It's Comic-Con. Things are stressful and crazy and uh, everything. Um, and so uh, if you're listening to this, <clears throat> next week, if you're going to Comic-Con, on Saturday, I have a panel. Woo! At, go check uh, it out. From 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. in room, tw- uh, room 25 ABC, Unnecessary Debates in Geek Culture. Or unnecessary debates. Oh, uh, we were just talking about Batman. Beats yeah, right. Oh, man. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, and then what are you guys going to be doing? Do you all have a, do you all have a table or anything? Um, we're going to be, I'm, I know I'm going to just be visiting and checking yeah. out different panels and, and going friends. to talk to Image and stuff. Like, yeah. that's about just it. Just Image? Yeah. Just Image. Only no image. one else. Just, just. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about um, a process that I actually don't know much about and that you guys do. And um, I think oh. that's going to be hopefully fantastic. <laughs> you know, very, very, um, you know, like, Fantastical. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, just very fascinating, I guess. I couldn't think of the word, which is why I came up with fantastic. It's an F word. It's an F word. <laughs> it could be fantastical. It's word. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about the process of you guys have made comics and have now have them physical mm-hmm. copies. Yeah. So yes. what happens now? You have created the comic. I want to know about the whole process of making it ready to go and then all the way up until it is in your hands and you're like this is my comic so i guess the first thing you got to have is an idea right like yeah um i mean assuming that you're you're gonna be let's start with the writing part right so first thing is you got to have an idea and it could it where do ideas come from i mean they have whole panels on this and they still can't figure it out i mean there's a good video but with neil gaiman on youtube that you can find where he lays it out for you (laughs) I feel like New, Neil Gaiman doesn't have to, like, he just basically just wakes up and then, like, the earth just, like, throws, like, 30 <laughs> ideas at his face. And he's just like, oh, I guess I'm just going to write this now. Uh. Actually, like, for me, a lot of my ideas come from my experience, just lived experience and stuff. Either from my past, like, a breakup I had or just when, uh, from my day job and stuff, like... Uh, I remember that there was a ton of drama happening at my day job, like back at six months ago, like before I quit and stuff. And that inspired a lot of things because there was just so much conflict. And then it's like, okay, how do I, it's kind of like therapy. How do I take this conflict that I hate in my life and turn it into something that is good or it's something that I can enjoy or process it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's the same for me. Like, uh, a lot of times the stuff I write is a reaction to something that I've experienced. Yeah. Um, like, like, like you said, I had, I went through a breakup and I wrote, uh, I wrote a sci-fi story called the five year mission, which is like Star Trek. But if Captain Kirk and his, you know, and his wife had to like go on the five year mission together after, yeah, together, but like while broken up. (gasps) Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just like dealing with a break. about this. Yeah, dealing with a breakup, but also having to d- deal with a working relationship. Yeah, um, I want to read this. But but also at the same time, there's there's stuff that's like a flash in the pan kind of thing. Like I just put out Sam Mariachi like two months ago, but that was c- the reason I came up with that is I was working on a different comic, and I was just like drinking while I was drawing. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I just sketched like a samariachi with a sword or a mariachi with a sword. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I should make a comic about that. <laughs> so that's how I got. I mean, I think your ideas will vary, but they all come to you like a lot of times alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. But I think also what you surround yourself with really influences um, the ideas you have as well. Like, I know I have a lot of sensibility where I love like really angsty stuff and I have a lot of like Japanese influence and from like manga and so that kind of creates a unique voice and stuff like yeah. like I I know that I have a lot of influence from like doujinshi and like oh fanfics God. and stuff <laughs> and fan art and it's kind of like these alternate realities so like creating these alternate like realities and alternate stories within larger story and then it kind of takes its own form and it becomes original you know what I'm saying and yeah. that's 
yeah, that's. I, th- I think like that's like a writer thing, like not not like not all writers do it, but just like a writing thing, I would say is better a better thing that. Should we move on to writing then? Oh no no, this is just like going off what you said. Uh-huh. Um, that a lot of times you'll see. The best example I have is you'll see a bad movie, and you think like ways it could be fixed to make it a better movie. And that's kind of like your first steps into writing because it's like, oh, like, yeah, there's all this setup. Like, I think the best example I always have is Spider-Man 3. Um, oh Spider-Man God. 1 and 2 are great. Um, but Spider-Man 3, you know, it's debatable. Some people <laughs> hate it. Some people are just like, eh, it's not the best thing. But like a lot of people will tell you how they can fix it. And it's just it shows you their sensibilities as to what would make it a better story. And, and I, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, and I, I was going to say that... Um, a lot of times when you when you have that it's not you can make it an exercise but a lot of times it, t- it shows you that you uh, you do understand at a basic level how a story is supposed to work yeah and and, it, and, and what is satisfying like even everyone every, every, everyone can tell a story like you you'll go see your friends and you'll be like well how was your day and you'll go through the day but you set it up in a way to make you look better and <laughs> and and you know, highlight the things that you want to be highlighted or vil- or vilify the things you want to be vilified. Like this jerk cut me off or yeah. my boss was a dick, you know, yeah. you know, et cetera. My boss wanted me to work. I'm like, not today, Satan. <laughs> uh, go, go ahead, go ahead. And I, and I think that when you start making the jump from idea to execution, that's where a lot of personal demons start coming out. You know, like, is this idea good enough? Will anyone even like this? Would anyone even read it? Or yeah. like, where you stare at your computer for like four hours and just think, yeah, well, why bother? Yeah. And I know, <laughs> I know, all that self like <laughs> doubt, and you're just like, shit, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I mean, when you set off on this journey, like you can't guarantee that this is going to be good. And if it's the first time that you're doing it, it probably won't be good. But at the same time, it's like you have to start believing in your own voice because your own voice is unique. At least that's what gets me to go back to the computer every day because, because no one else is going to have an experience like mine. No one else is going to have an experience like Mark's. No one's going to have an experience like you, Tyler. And as creators, it's our responsibility to talk about our experiences and, and in an honest way yet try not to like, I don't know, just basically, I know for me, a lot of times I want to make sure that I'm not um, uh, vilif- not vilifying, but um, oppressing any minorities because I'm a woman. Yeah. Um, I'm a person of color. I don't want to marginalize other people who are marginalized further. And so um, I guess how do you go about, you know, making sure that you don't you don't further the you like know what negative I'm stereotypes exactly yeah um well do you, i mean when you when you write something like you say you write something you know and something that you've experienced yourself and and uh have you ever like especially at the beginning do you ever think like you know what like i have been through the stereotypes and be like i would add that in there and then maybe like fluff things out like you write what you know and what you know is basically what would be considered as you know like maybe it's a negative thing towards you that could be regardless of anything, you know, like if anything wrong with you, like, you know, mental, you know, mental health, se- you know, sex, everything like that. Would you, you say you kind of, you want to stay away from all of that. Would you, um, but like how, how hard do you try, especially at the beginning of the process, like for you? I think, I think it's more so not necessarily shying away from it, but uh, portraying it in an honest and real way. Okay. Like, like okay. for myself as a woman, I, I do put things into my comics that reflect what being a woman is like, like the double standard in regards to yeah. sex, like sex, for example. Um, but when I start writing like a, a Mexican man or a white man or a a white woman or a, a, a black woman, I don't have those same experiences. So how do I write a real black woman? How do I write a real black man that like as a white man, do you do you ex- how do you experience like toxic we're masculinity? We're all over the place. We just get offended by everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are truly the most persecuted. Of how all, dare you say I love mayonnaise as I have extra extra mayonnaise on my on my sandwich? No, uh. but but to, in a serious way, like I know men uh, experience toxic masculinity, and as uh, as much as women experience misogyny, you yeah. know that certainly isn't the same as toxic masculinity and stuff. So, um, I, I mean. For me, I just do my research or I'll ask people yeah. as best I can. But that doesn't mean that's not like a guaranteed 
you know, pass or anything. Like I know, I know that I, I will probably mess up some stuff and I'm open to being called out on those things and like learning to do a better portrayal. Like I, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't attempt something that I, I don't at least have some confidence in. Like I wouldn't portray like someone with mental, mental health issues if I don't at least try to like learn about those kinds of things. Um, otherwise I come off with like, I don't know, like, I don't know, in movies there's always the stereotype of like the person with schizophrenia who's a psychopath that's killing people when in reality <laughs> that's nowhere near reality. Nope. Um, and I think that there's uh, like there's this backlash against like quote unquote social justice warriors. I think there are a lot of creators who don't or who aren't okay with being wrong or aren't okay with having yeah. critical feedback on their work. And I think that as long as just be open to criticism, you know, I think you have there's the thing of um, like we were talking about the Chaken thing and it's the a good creator can listen to feedback in the sense and and respond with. I'm sorry I offended you. And I got this from, from Matt, our friend Matt. Oh, cool. And um, not Matt Hawkins, a different Matt. Yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Mears. He, yeah. did, he did the art for, for some of my books like Millennial and Omit. And, um, he, but there's also the person who doesn't do that, who doesn't respond well, where they say, sorry, you were offended. Like, yeah. and, and, and it's your fault you're offended. It's, 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 like, I'm just doing my thing. <laughs> and, and I think like a, a lot of times when, when you have a bad portrayal of things, it's because they the the attribute becomes the character like it's like this person is latino so they're going to speak with a's and like a spanish accent <laughs> or the person is black so they're going to speak with uh an ebonics you know kind of dialect or, or the woman is the woman you know and and i will say this though like i hate all that but if somebody rides a canadian character and he doesn't say a i will be pissed <laughs> i'm just saying that and just straight up oh man you must hate the wolverine that's the one one that's the one like 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 of all like of all the different types of people if yeah. you're canadian don't say a but i oh i think that that's kidding, where no. um like that's the divide between uh published work in quote-unquote mainstream comics now and like web comics and kickstarter and like quote, in, unquote, indie comics as a whole yeah, yeah because i think that since historically like main quote-unquote mainstream comics has been dominated by like the white voice and stuff i think that a lot of people of color especially like the queer community the only place that they feel like they can go get their work published is online and obviously you know with the success of like uh iron spike with her iron circus publish uh, like publisher you know yeah. she's she's made a career out of kickstarter you know and and finding ways of financing her own comics that mm -hmm. have their own voice and so i'm wondering you know will you know, mainstream comics like Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, are they eventually going to go by the wayside as something that... You know, and that's what's scary, and I, I think that's going to be a whole different podcast, but I have no idea. I, I don't think so. I think that... I think if they don't adapt, they, they will go by the wayside. So just to interrupt, because I think we should get back to making comics and writing, because... <laughs> oh. Well, let me finish my thoughts. I apologize, I apologize. <laughs> But I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, this is, I was getting to okay. indie comics, but I think that the, you see this in like a lot of industries, like movies, um, music, radio, uh, radio, yeah, radio, uh, <laughs> um, TV, uh, you know, I think comics, the, the indie scene, the independent scene for all those things are a reflection of what's going to come. Like it's going to blow up. Like at some point either the big the big publishers will begin to mine the indie comic scene for their next wave of creators and and it's getting to a point at least in indie comics that you can't ignore these kinds of things like you in the 90s maybe you could in in the 80s for sure like there was the alternative comic scene up and before yeah. that point that you could ignore because it was a different audience but now that like the the audiences are starting to blur together because yeah, there are people in the indie comic scene who like superheroes, just not maybe Marvel and DC because they don't know how to write for that audience. But people in the indie comic scene do. Um, like Invincible. Yeah, I cannot compare Invincible to anything else. It's just it's so fucking smart, and those characters are just so relatable. Yeah, like, and I mean, I wouldn't count Invincible because that's still like Image is kind of like up there already for me. It's like, true. No, absolutely. Uh, but like something like. I don't know, like, I, I, we, we compare our work to each other, but in, 
uh, mom writes stuff if you like Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> Thank you so drama, much. That's so nice. Dramas. But I write stuff that's like, if you like, like, if you really like, schlocky action movie or 80s horror. If you like horror, Godzilla, you should you look like, at. if you like, like, Tokusatsu shows or Power Rangers, like, that's, that's the kind of shit I write. And fuck yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like, and, and those are just, like you were saying, those are just not mined, you know, yeah. by, by publishers. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, as hopefully... I don't know if I'll ever work for Marvel or DC, but like it'd be cool to write Batman, I think, or or whatever. But it's not necessarily a a make or break deal because up for the longest time it was like, oh, I want to make comics. I have I can either go to Marvel or DC, but now it's like, oh, I can just put the comic out. Yeah. On, you know, my live journal or whatever the kids are uh, using to now kidding. Or like, <laughs> on your like Tumblr. God. <laughs> like there's this amazing comic on Tumblr and I can't I I will give you the name for it later. Octopus Pie? Um huh? Octopus Pie? No, not Octopus Pie. It's it's told it's told in like a storyboard format and it's a it's a comic. Oh, is it that one that you shared that one time? It's amazing. It's- I, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna try to look for it while we're. <laughs> it, it was pretty, but it was like one panel at a time, right? Yeah, it's called Superpose. If you look at on it, it's all on Tumblr. So if you look for it online, they have their Patreon. It's actually done by I think it's two women or two two people, and so their styles are close enough together that they take turns drawing panels and That's stuff. Crazy. Yeah, and it's it's really cool because it's really different from how traditional comics have been produced. Yeah. Traditionally, in comics, you have a writer, a penciler, an inker, a colorist, and a letterer, and it just goes like that. But in this one, it seems like they're writing it together, and they're also drawing it together, which I think is really cool. I don't That's know. There's a, there's a lot yeah. of innovative stuff happening on web comics and, and indie comics right web now. Web comics may be the future. I mean, you never know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like Netflix and TV. <laughs> Anyway, that's a different discussion. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> do you have anything else to say before we talk about the uh, the process of like you are finished writing this book and you're like I can't wait to see this physically and then you have to go through the horrors of printing. I think I think writing writing is its own topic. Like the idea is one thing, but writing writing it and is drawing not... are their own thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say like if you if you're not good at drawing, just make the comic and that will make you good at drawing because it's like learning on the job. Yeah. Like. You could study life drawing all you want, but like, it, and it will help you. But it's different from actually, you know, where there are stakes from not working. Yeah, you know. And I think writing traditionally, uh, comics are written in a comic script format. I mean, there isn't really a standard script format for comics, like there are for like script writing for a TV show. Yeah. But uh, typically, when I've worked with writers they typically give me a script and that breaks down like on page one on panel one this person's doing this and here's the dialogue oh, we, from we, this. we made the spider bin yeah it's the only time we've ever worked together so do you want to talk about the spider bin script that yeah we you... can i did it i just broke it down by panel by panel description i know it wasn't too detailed in terms of like what the camera angles were or anything like that i just kind of like I provided references like it should look like this thing, but put this, this is the mood I'm going for. Um, I'm more of an emo writer in the sense that I put the emotion or the, the kind of like ambiance that I want rather than like, yeah, put <laughs> it at a tight shot with like his chest and like at a 90 degrees, his sword, you know, I didn't do anything like that. But I know that Alan Moore, on the other hand, is like, okay, this door, it's, it was mined in, like, the 1700s by oh, this Jesus. person. Yeah, and he has, like, a three-page description That's for panel work. one. And, but I think, it, I know what's helpful is, um, uh, there used to be this site called Comic Script Archive, where they took, like Neil Gaiman's script or Kelly Sue DeConnick's script and put it online for different issues of their comics. That's amazing. But yeah. um, it got taken down, but there's a mirror for it. So just Google search comic book script archive and you'll find some site on there somewhere. You definitely mm-hmm. shouldn't be looking for... You. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you, can, you can find also the books um, Panel 1 and Panel 2, uh, which just has a collection of scripts from different yeah. comic authors. What was the website again? Uh, comic book script archives. Definitely don't go there. Do not go there. Don't Google search that. Never ever Google. Comic book script archive. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> anyway. Uh. Uh, but I think uh, Brian Michael Bendis also has a book on writing comics. I think it's well. called Writing in, Writing in Pictures or Writing with Pictures. Um, that one's good. Um, there's also, you can get collections like trades where they have the scripts in the back of the comics. Yeah. So yeah. you can actually see the, the translation from writing to art um, in the book. But there's also quote unquote Marvel style, which uh, oh thank you, uh, where they basically I don't know who did it was it Stanley and Stanley Stanley so I guess Stanley would just say all right in this page you would just do a page uh, outline where basically it, Stanley would make up something and Jack Kirby would actually do what was actually came he would out do there. like ninety exactly. percent of the work <laughs> yeah yeah um, does that cover it for writing. Stuff. There's no real format. I mean, if you look at stuff like I've been recently looking into like manga and like yeah. European comics, which is a completely different thing. Holy crap! Like manga, they storyboard, yeah, quote unquote, their their pages and stuff, which is kind of like breakdowns in America. Well, when you do manga, you also have like three other people as well who are working. Well, like that's if you have an assistant, yeah, yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. and I know that some Europeans they just like they do similar a similar style to that. But also, some people just like go into it like, I'm just gonna figure it out as I go, and you can tell they're just figuring yeah. that out as they go. And I think I think uh, for certain comics, like especially shorter comics, scripts are optional. Like I know when I did Precipice, which is a comic about like a woman contemplating suicide, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. It was eight pages. I just thumbnailed it, and then it was done. And then I I did the rest of it. That's what I did for Samariachi. I did not write a script. I just kind of like. I know what I want to do, and I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna out like uh, do a bunch of thumbnails, and I'll figure it out as I go. And and the last two pages, I was like, well, I'll figure out an ending, or I'll just like end it here with Sometimes no closure. Sometimes it just works. Yeah. yeah, I guess we should talk about thumbnailing a little bit. Thumbnail is just like an outline, visual, yeah. a visual outline of of how the pages are gonna be like. Panel. This pa page one will be panel five panels, and this is what they'll look like. Kind oh, of. Oh, okay. It's a very rough rough breakdown but you can still tell what's what's happening yeah oh. um, so typically i know i'm working with edward ambrose on his comic um the girl who shook the world which is basically like naruto meets uh, spirited away and stuff oh. so when he gave me the script i went ahead and broke it down into thumbnails kind of roughing out how the each page was going to look like in a very rough kind of sketchy way and um, I showed it to him and then he approved the thumbnails for me to go and do the pencils on so yeah, it's very preliminary. You want to catch mistakes or on layouts and stuff on your panel layouts at yeah. this stage because once you do pencils, it's like it's like eight hours to do one page of of comic in pencils, Not and me. you don't want to have to do. <laughs> You're fast. I'm like fast. But like, yeah. But thumbnailing is where you want to kind of like catch most of the layouts and stuff before you start really executing yeah. on it. Some people, um, some writers, will thumbnail for the or for the artists, and that you know you kind of have to have that kind of relationship. It's kind of like yeah, you can't just assume they'll be like yeah, I'll just do it the way you you did it. Um, I I heard an interview with Greg Capullo when he was on, I think it was Walking Dead with Robert Kirkman, and that Robert Kirkman would write out the the panel description, and then Greg Capullo would just say no, nah, I'm just gonna do it this way. Because he didn't like being told what to do. Some people are like that. Um, so defiance. I, I don't know. But, but, but I mean, obviously it worked out in the end, though. But yeah, I, I think I think it did. I, I didn't read those those Walking Dead because I'm not. I'm real behind. Actually, way behind. I I went to so Matt Hawkins commonly does this editor panel um, sometimes at WonderCon, and when I went to it because he's also a writer. Um, uh, I asked him, and a lot of times he says, you know, listen to your artists because usually your artists, they have the visual experience of telling yeah. you, okay, maybe the panel will work better in this way. So if you're, if you're a writer looking for an artist, um, listen to your artists because they probably will be able to give you some feedback on what yeah. is or isn't working in your comic. And, and if you're a writer, I would recommend like at least studying art, like studying, <laughs> not necessarily learn how to draw. That's what I did because I, I just like, I need to have full control. Um, but I would say learn the mechanics of how it works because I've, I've, I've also been an editor and I've read scripts for people where they'll have, you know, 10 panels 
on a page, which you can do. You can do yeah. ten panels on a page. It's, it's a little. It's a little of an eyesore. Yeah, it, it, it is a lot to take in. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, but you know, you can't have ten panels and then say, "I want you know a big splash of this building," and then another like long landscape thing with ten panels. That's not going to work. Yeah. Um, you need to know the limitations of what you're working with, and it really helps if if you and and the you as a writer and the artist can think on the same level visually of what you're what you're gonna do if you're doing it in a team. If you're a solo writer artist, then like you know you're fine. You can figure it out. You know you're yeah. on your own. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I guess if uh, drawing your comic. So typically for drawing, there's three stages. Um, there's the penciling stage, which is basically laying out the drawing of the comic. There's the inking stage um, where you're putting ink on paper or digitally yeah. inking it and refining it. And then the coloring, which is just putting the colors down. Um, so uh, typically in like Marvel or in DC, you'll, those will be three different people. But a lot of times in indie comics, it's just one person you who's doing all of it. You don't have the funds or it's just your, it's your project. Very I mean, DIY. It's, it's creator-owned. Yeah. Creator yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of the times, more often, you'll find colorists, the coloring being uh, given to someone else. So a single artist will do the, the penciling and, and the inking. I've noticed that letterers also taking like, Letters yes. are underrated. Yeah. Oh, I agree completely. Um, Letters, when they're good, it's great. When the lettering is shit, you'll know. Yeah. Uh, um, so for me, regarding like penciling and inking, there's a lot of ways that you can do it, and there's no wrong way to do it, really. Um, typically, when you, when you draw a comic book page, you draw it on an 11 by 17 uh, comic page. And when you're in the drawing stage, you start. you have to be aware of the printing process as well. So we're going to yeah. jump ahead a little bit to the printing process because you have to know about the live area, the trim area, and the bleed area. Because um, when you are printing something, if you want something to go all the way to the edge of the page, what they'll do is they'll uh, print the image and then slice off the white parts, right? But when they slice off the white parts, um, they're going to cut off a little bit of your image. And that... that Part that they're going to cut off is called the bleed. Yeah. And so you have to make sure that you go past the quote-unquote trim area. I think it's... Um, it's kind of like, like widescreen to full screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it, you can, if it you, varies by printer Yeah. and, and by size. Like if you want to do like a, like a manga-sized Tankobon comic, like, like the Oni Press, like the way they did Scott Pilgrim, that's a different size than say like yeah. the 10 and a half by, what is it, 6 and a half? For like a traditional Marvel floppy or something, um, you can find like the exact measurements like online and stuff. But you typically, if you are I'm, entering, I'm, oh, go well, ahead. So, so I'd rather have like some detail taken off as opposed to like being like, oh, but it's not enough. Here, make, make do some more. Like get your artist who's probably working on a different project to go back and fix and finish it up. Yeah, especially if it's on the edge because the live area is the area where you want your lettering to be. That's the area yeah. that is considered the safe area where there's no way that something's going to be cut off because sometimes during printing, like when they uh, are printing either digitally, which is like imagine an inkjet going back and forth or uh, offset, which imagine like a stamp coming down and stamping on your, uh, on your page. Um, sometimes those things are not calibrated or they shift a little bit or the cutter shifts a little bit. There's, it's not perfect. Yeah. So you, you, the live area allows you to make sure that your lettering, your dialogue is all going to be in an area that you want safe, essentially. Some, yeah. some people who still use the Bristol boards, like I do traditional, you know, on the Bristol boards, um, they just exclusively draw within the live area just to avoid the difficulties that you just described, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which I've seen. Um, some people like going to the edge of the page. That's cool, too. Um, but no one wants their the dialogue balloon to be cut in half on yeah, the edge of the page. Not. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those are things that you should be aware of. But there really isn't any wrong or right way to approach penciling or inking. Like Jeff Lemire... Um, you know, for Trillium, he uses watercolors to, to color his uh, comic, while I print out my, my Bristol boards and then do my penciling on digitally, but ink, you know, with quill and brush. So, um, but your paper matters if you use certain. Oh, sorry. It's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, GGG has a cat now. 
Uh, I just, I just like, just be uh, like for that kind of stuff. Just be aware of the paper you're drawing on. Like the scans, you might like. I know if you have you ever read Descender, anybody? No. no. Um, that one was done with watercolors, and you can see the texture of the paper in the scans of those pages. If you ever look at them up, look it up because it uses a very a thicker absorbent paper because so much watercolor is is on there and stuff. There's that also is awesome. There's also um. There was this photo manipulation comic that I saw a couple years ago. I don't remember the name of it, but essentially people were taking photos and then adding lettering and then photoshopping it. And that that really? was their comic. Yeah, which I mean isn't isn't was like it size of life. I don't know. I didn't. I think it was like a is noir. It, it, oh, I was gonna say it was it the. I remember there was this guy who would take photos of people on a green screen and then he would photoshop that into his comic. Like if huh. you you would pose, I don't know. It was weird, but not not my bag. But I thought yeah, it was right. cool. But keep in mind that you know there's like cyanide and happiness. There's XKCD. Yeah. You know you don't have to follow the Marvel way of doing things. But if you want to print something, just be aware of what printing sizes are available to you. Or do you want to do a comic size? Do you want it like the old school Garfield like books and stuff? <laughs> By the way, Garfield is my original comic. That boy got me into things. Really? Like, yeah, oh I love Garfield. You know, I when think I was Garfield either him or the Lockhorns or Dilbert. One of the three. Oh, man. I, I remember I read that Charles Schultz hated Garfield. Yes. Because Garfield was just made to sell stuff. <laughs> and he and, and, and the Charles Schultz guy, I think because the the the, ag- the agency that represented uh, Jim Davis also was representing Charles Schultz. And well, I think he hated it because he just felt like a dumbed-down kids too. Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't like it because there was no artistic merit behind it and oh all that gosh. so i have to agree with him though i mean at least a little bit because peanuts is brilliant like it's so yeah. well written and i mean my, i love garfield i love reading as a kid and i still love it now like uh-huh. i love it like, it's near and dear and nostalgic and everything and it still is brilliant to me mm-hmm. but man garfield minus garfield is better <laughs> <laughs> it is man i love that there's still comics drama even within like cartoon strips like you never <laughs> escape it dude it's like oh. the abridged series of, com- of <laughs> comic strips. But but going, I know we went on a tangent because you wanted to talk about printing. Once printing is done, right? Like yeah, or, or like just the process of like you 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 fa- like how do you find a printer that you trust? What do you? I mean, like what just what do you do to get it physical and for you to start distribute uh, distributing distributing distributing? You know what I'm trying to say? I can't. I can't. You can talk. you can Google it. Um, printers. Um, you could also get, or also, I should say that you can get an ISBN and a barcode if you want to have it in stores or like a library. I think if you want it in a library, you need an ISBN uh, or in a barcode. Yeah, I don't think you need it for stores. But I guess just some comic book printers off of the top of your, our head, like we typically go through um, like websites. So, for example, Comics Wellspring mm-hmm. or Greco Printing. Um, Kablam is another one. Oh, oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, just ask. RA printing. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, ask around. Yeah, like you were saying. Well, yeah, the, and the like food. a lot of the shows, t- you know, like at least my goal is, is probably not already, but I might tailor it for like everybody who is, you know, interested in wanting to do anything, any comics. If somebody's in, the, you know, like the Midwest who's not anything near a, a printer yeah, or like any, and doesn't know anybody, I mean, like that's what what, what. what would you tell them? What What I would do is, if you're if you're if you're near a con. Um, go to the con. Go to the indie section. Look for a book. It doesn't have to be a book that you're particularly drawn to, but look at the quality of the books that are there that people are putting out. And, see, and look at the quality, like the cover, the paper and stuff. Ask the person who put it out, like, who did you go through? Like, sometimes the, the information's there. Like, yeah. I know our friend James Wright, who does Nutmeg and Lupina, he lists, like, the printer printed in the USA by, you know, so-and-so company um, on, on his books. So you can just go like that or, um, yeah. And talk, talk to the people. They'll say like, cause I, I asked tons of my friends like, Oh, well, who did you print with? Cause I, I figured like, Oh, if you can just put this out, like it'll be easy. And, and, and that's how I, I went through the company Greco for Samariachi. Um, but some people like they want a higher quality of paper. So they might go with someone else who, who can provide something that's more in line with the stuff you see in the comic book shops. Um, you can also just Google comic book printers and it'll give you a list right, right away. Sometimes if 
if you're in an area that has local printers, it'll, it'll that'll show up before even the, the places that you have to um, have them shipped to you and all that. Yeah. I also, um, oh, go ahead. Uh, I also recommend asking, oh, not asking, uh, getting many quotes to see what your best options are because um, one one company who may be uh, lower in terms of per book price may be higher in terms of shipping price, especially as you get closer to a convention. So if you're yeah. on a deadline, you know, you may be hit in the end with, you know, a rush charge, a shipping charge. Um, also... Um, just tweet, just tweet at creators. A lot of times, tweet or email someone that has a book out that either you've seen a video of, assuming you can't you can't reach them personally. Um, like if you've seen their Kickstarter or something, just message them and say like, "Hey, I, I want to write a, I want to make a book, and you know, I, I really like the quality that you have. Can you, um, what printer did you go through? And a lot of times they'll be cool and they'll they'll let you know. Yeah. Um, who. And what? When you do it online, though, how do you know about the like the actual paper quality and, and whatnot? Like, what did you? I mean, uh, do you ever get a sample or? If you if you go to um, Staples, you can actually go take a look at their paper um, their paper samples there, and it, the terminology will be roughly the same um, because they'll talk about the coating. Is it a matte coating? A yeah. gloss coating? Uncoated. So if uncoated paper is kind of like your newspaper, your newsprint, matte coated um, tends to be what Marvel uses, and gloss coated is that really like sheen, glossy look, like, for like photos. and yeah. and yeah. think like magazines, but like kind of high quality magazines. Um, uh, but sometimes um, if you're looking for, if you have like a comic and you're like, this is the paper quality I want with this coating. Um, just send it to your printer and say, hey, I want it like this comic. How much is it going to be? And then they'll give you a price for that. Because printers, you know, they, they've been working. And they know what they're doing yeah. and stuff. Um, really quickly, I also want to touch on the types of printing. Like I said before, like there's digital and offset. Now, digital printing, um, I'm sure if you've printed something at home with inkjet printers, you can see kind of like the lines in the banding that happens, especially if you print like a black page you can see the lines that are going across it um digital kind of has a reputation for not being as high quality in printing quality with the application of ink while offset printing because it's a stamp it's um it's a lot higher quality but yeah. unfortunately inconsistent yeah unfortunately offset has a really high initial cost for doing so um if you're doing a run of 100 it's not going to be cost efficient to do a offset run as it is an inkjet or a digital run you might want to go digital but if you're going to print you know 10,000 copies um, it's going to be cheaper to go with offset versus digital because digital has a fixed price for the entire thing Um, but yeah offset typically is done overseas though either in Canada or in um, have y'all done that yet we did offset for the Ladybug anthology and the Secrets anthology, and that okay. was done in Taiwan. Uh, we went with a printer, a printing broker that works with uh, with ta- Taiwanese and Chinese printers. Um, they're called Choice Printing, I think, and they did a great job with those anthologies. Um, but I mean, if you're working with like volumes of like ten thousand or thirty thousand, you definitely want to start looking at um, printing companies or or um, print brokers yeah. rather than these on-demand printers like Reco or RA printing. Um, See, I, I had like n- no idea relatively about like any of this stuff, like what processes are still being used and what is not. Like, I had no idea the stamp was, I thought everything yeah. pretty much went digital. And, and this is all like small time stuff. Yeah. And this is, yeah. And, I, and this is what's awesome. Like again, like indie comics, I mean, all this stuff is the future. I mean, it's changing if, everything. It's knocking down. It's affecting yeah. prices it, or it's affecting Everything. But, but the thing is, that, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you want something that to be, you know, possibly ordered in a comic book shop, you should go through Diamond. And yeah. a lot of the creative community has problems with Diamond because it's a monopoly. Um, because you have to, you know, it's kind of like reserved for people with money who can afford to their cost to, to have it printed through them and all this that. This is definitely another podcast I want to have about Diamond as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I, I think at, at, what is it, Emerald City this year that somebody announced that they were to, um, going to start a 
a distribution, a distribution like it was going to be called Emerald City Distribution or something. So they're trying to pull Marvel in the '90s that made them bankrupt. They're starting off small. They're just doing in Seattle right now, and then hopefully they'll, ex- if it goes well, they can expand enough to challenge Diamond. Um, but I think like right now, um, yeah, like Diamond is probably like your only way to be in something. You know what the previews catalog is? Yep. And oh yeah. For our listeners who don't know what the previews catalog, it's where. You know, months before you are, your book comes out. Let's say I think it's like five months. Um, months before your book is comes out, it's put pu- pu- published in Diamond that it's coming out. There's this little code that your comic sh- shop can can you know put down for their order sheet of comics they want when that comes out. And you know, it's easy for you know someone at Image, someone at Marvel, you know who has a, or, or Vertigo or whatever, Dark Horse has a book out. They can easily be found there, but someone like me, that's like that's a lot of work. That's basically like you have to call a bunch of shops or have people demand those shops that they yeah. order your book. So it's it's very hard for um, small time independent you know creators to 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 get to that point. I was listening to a podcast recently where it was talking about how Diamond kind of in the 90s they raised the price for that kind of stuff which which killed a lot of the 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 killed a lot of people's way of entry into Diamond because up until that point there was this boom in the 80s and 90s if you remember where there was a lot of like independent comics that were like black and white and stuff. Yep. Um yeah, so especially with you know image starting up too this and then even, Marvel this, this was even like before. we're gonna go against you oh really this is even before Image this is oh, like wow. kind of like when creator owned like uh, maybe the the highest selling book was like 100,000 which was like that's like now that's inconceivable but back then like for an independent book to be 100,000 which was like Alien versus Predator I think <laughs> at that point but yeah I think in the 90s there, there's this thing I have to look for the I'll, I'll send it to you but it was, yeah, Diamond is very hard on independent creators. Yeah, it is. So, um, and I, and uh, uh, we've had, I've had some run-ins with some people. I've been trying to get into Diamond as well. So yeah. uh, that's a different story for... Yeah. And I think that that's why so much of independent comics right now is online, is through Patreon, is through Comixology. Kickstarter. I mean, Gumroad. Like, even a lot of publishers are looking at Kickstarter in order yeah. to find yeah. new talent because... It, Matt Hawkins said that. Yeah. That they go to Kickstarter to look for who has... I heard, yeah, I heard that the DC, um, that, in, that internship program, whatever, not internship, whatever talent, it's called, the, the talent, talent yeah. yeah. That they shop some people on Kickstarter. Yeah. Rumor. <laughs> but Kickstarter is hard because Kickstarter is its own like I think you're going to talk to Russell about it. Yeah. Kickstarter is its own thing because that becomes a full-time job just getting the word out because you have a Kickstarter. Yes, yes. Um and I wouldn't some people think that you can go on Kickstarter and just you'll get money, but no, it's like you got to like hustle There's an art and to it. There's yeah. There's yeah. You got to have a following, you know, to to be able to It's easier if you have a following. Yeah. But if you don't, you need to put in more work than you would if you if you if you, you know, have a following. I think Iron Spike said if you have a thousand fans, you're fine. You're going to be fine cuz they'll buy whatever the fuck you put out. Like, yeah. Forever. Yeah. Um but I guess assuming that you go through one of these direct uh, on-demand publishers like Reco or RA Direct, um, they'll Prince. just send or printers. Yeah. Sorry, uh, <laughs> not publishers, printers. Um, they'll after you send them your file, they'll just ship it over to you, and then you get a box with your comics in it, and then yeah. um, it's like getting a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Stork Pinder. <laughs> um, cool. See, like, and and that's what I think is just awesome. And it seems like, you know, like I feel like a lot of people, especially for me, before I guess you know, like I started doing the podcast in general. Like I always thought, like making a comic would be like the hardest thing in the world. Like it is still hard, mm-hmm. but it is actually like you can do it it's, on it's, your own it's, now. It's, it's doable. It's not as hard as you think. It's yeah. hard. Like sitting at your computer, or your drawing board. That's that's hard. Printing stuff, I think, is actually the easiest stuff. Yeah. Because it's just sorting out, like, how you want it to be. Yeah, and, like, it's fun to put together, like, extra matter for your book, like doing a cover, doing a back cover, creating design for it. Um, yeah. It's, it's cool to put that together, and then there's nothing like the feeling of unboxing your new comic and, and smelling then, that new ink. New, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. A new baby smell. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> 
I, I would say if you're trying to make a comic, like it's not hard. It's a lot of work, yes, but it's not it's not impossible. I think like comics. Um, I think because I used to, I used to do film and music and stuff, and it's the easiest form in terms of independence because I think that if you want to be a musician, you still need someone to at least play drums or bass yeah. or yeah. whatever. Or if you want to make a movie, you still need a team to help you out because you can't do those kinds of things on your on your own. Unless you're like acapella and you're just shooting documentaries or something. Um, but comics themselves, it's it's the easiest because you can have it's the, it requires the least amount of people. You can just have one person do everything. Yeah. It might take longer than a team, but it's still it's still doable. And it's mm-hmm. still art. And that's yeah. the other thing is that it's yeah. also like it is still physically art. Like. You make a story, and even if you don't have the best art chops, or like you know, or like you know, like yeah. dr- you know, drawing or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it's still in your style because yeah. it's written in your style, yeah. and then it looks like your style. Now, yeah. you know, maybe it would be better with having somebody else do it, but I mean, you can still do yeah. it. I mean, like look at One Punch Man. Like, didn't didn't he start off like doing a web comic? One Punch yeah. Man was a horribly drawn web comic, yeah. but the story was so compelling that people demanded more. Exactly. So. Or like Mega Tokyo back in the day. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's there's lots of ways Owly. to get your... Huh? Owly. Owly? Owly, the, uh, the one little owl. Little car- it's, it's like the kids comic that's been around for a long Oh, that's long really cool. Time. I don't know. But, I don't know what that is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But, uh, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of ways to get your story out there, especially now, especially where there isn't as much of a barrier. Hashtags are amazing. Just put, like... I don't know, you made a comic about cats, but hashtag cats. That thing will blow up. <laughs> Put it on Reddit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Awesome. Anything else you guys wanted to talk about? or? Um, um, there's a lot of, like, logistics. sadness <laughs> and pain. Just making art. No. Yeah. <laughs> the um, art wars, the art battles. I mean, tabling, tabling at cons is another thing. If, if that's what you want to do, you don't have to. It's not required. I think, like... If you want to do web comics and you just have an internet presence, that's cool. But yeah. if you want to make comics and like go to cons and sell them there, it's cool because you meet people in person to connect with. I was gonna say you meet your peers and you not only that like you meet your peers and your audience. Yeah, and like not only that like you get pointers or uh, yeah like you you get pointers to each other or like maybe you even collaborate on a, on a story that's better. You exactly. Know? Like you're like you know like, like what you said like the first comic you write. It's going to be probably shit. Like, it's yeah. most likely, like, me. Like, I've written scripts. Like, I went to school for, you know, the screenwriting and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. My first five scripts, I just, th- I deleted them. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's cool, cool that I wrote them. That's nice and all. But, hey, you know, sorry, click. Um, we yeah. can't do and, a dramatic retelling of it. Like, oh, man. No. I'll do Tyler's first like, script. Um, I, yeah, I but, agree. Uh, I agree. Like, but, it, it, but that yeah. shows that you've grown, too. Yeah. If you can look at your stuff and be like, oh, fuck. Like, did I, yeah. ugh. Ah, <laughs> never again, never again. <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, it's really gratifying when you go to a show and someone recognizes you and asks you, hey, do you have anything new? I really liked your last thing that you yeah. did. And I don't know, it's really cool to know that you're not just screaming into the nether, you know, that there's someone who thinks the same way as you and exactly. needs to hear the I, same thing. I got spoiled at my first con, like, alone, I guess, because uh, my book sold out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, at East L.A., right? Yeah, at East L.A. And so at East oh, L.A. Man. Comic-Con. Yeah. And my book sold out. But I thought, like, because up until that point, I had tabled with other people. And I sold maybe, like, a few. It was okay. Like, I didn't. So I assume that's the experience. Like, that's the existence of. That was the one that we skipped out on. We were just like, fuck, why did we skip out on that oh, one? It was oh, a it, good was, con. it was really good. Maybe next year, like, I'll redo it. But we want to pick. and Because I did stuff like Comic Excitement, which was. It's very sad oh, to say. Have you, have it was yeah. I read, have you read that article about that? It was just, I mean, you know, and, and you know, the, the, the guy who run it was a very nice guy, and I really wish that they had the better success, but it was like, it was, and I hate saying negative things because I love conventions and I love geek gatherings, and this is what I live for, and this is yeah. another reason why I started doing these podcasts because I always want to be positive as much as possible, but it was a dud, and it really sucks to say that. Yeah. And we just did stuff like that, and I've just been to so many things that I just... Really, sh- probably shouldn't have wasted my time—not wasted my time with—but the thing is, yeah. like, I want to do web series. We want to do a bunch of other that, things within a network that we could have, like, we could have done our second season of our drinking of our um, brewery show. show. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know? I wanted to and be on that. 
<laughs> yes, but it's been pushed back because of conventions, and that's what kind of sucks for me is that like we were supposed to start that a while back, but we were like we have three cons in May. Yeah, there, so, there's an oversaturation of the cons right now, it, and it, I think it's getting to a point where there's the bubble's gonna burst eventually. And, but you know what? But it's good though because you have cons like East LA that are small mm. and they are tailored for that demographic. I, I people think, like I don't want something big. I just want something small first year. That's fine. Like, and that's what draws people. Yeah, and talk if you if you're able as an indie creator to talk to other creators who are tabling. Um, there are certain cons that are better for independent comics than other cons. Like yeah. for example, a Wonder Con. Emerald City Comic Con, um, the TCAF, uh, VanCAF, you yeah. know, those are conventions that like are... you don't go to Dragon Con. Yeah. Or Andy no. Comics. Or Anime Expo. Like, I've heard, you know, people who are huge in the indie comics scene, and they said, like, they didn't sell a single thing at Anime Expo. Yeah. Know? So... I, I think where cons are going, it's going to be more of a niche thing, where it's like, there's the anime cons, the comic cons, the, the pop culture cons, which is, like, the general show's... Which I think is where SDCC is headed. Oh, it's, 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 yeah. That's, that's I mean, what it's, it's already, it's already there. It's already there. It's been like that for five years now. Um, like, yeah. like I, I, I posted on Facebook. Like, how many more times am I gonna have to read? Comic Con has changed. Like, mm. right before Comic Con, um, because it is, it, and I think that's that's a good thing because it it can it could um, change the way it formats itself for. Uh, not just like because now it's become more movie. Fo- SDCC has become more movie and TV show focused. Well, I mean, I, I have a counterpoint for that, but not for the podcast though. Oh but. no, no, no! I mean, I feel like I think because there's money to back those things. The audiences are bigger for those things than say comics. Yeah. Like I love comics, but realistically speaking, we're a small audience who love comics. Because mm-hmm. um, I know you could table at I table at cons where I I'll sell my book and they'll be like, I don't read comics like. You know, yeah. so. But keep in mind, like, um, if you have like a Power Rangers comic, go to a Power Rangers show. Yes. You know, like, uh, you could be the only comic. She's talking co- about my comic. Oh yeah, like the you could be the only original comic creator at the Power Rangers show, and then you know people are like, oh my god, that's so cool, and then you'll sell a bunch. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not competing with other people for eyes. So. Yeah, I, I, that, so essentially that's what I think is going to happen to cons, like. There will be the big cons that are like your pop culture, you know, hubs of pop culture mecca or whatever. And then you'll have your small cons, which are like, I like anime and I like yeah. Power Rangers and uh, I don't know, Punisher con. I don't know. <laughs> trying to think what's going to be. God, that'll be so thing. depressing. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. I'm going to, I'm going to cap this off. Alrighty. Thanks for listening in. Our podcasts are available on iTunes and other podcast apps and of course our website thegrangeekgathering.com. We have articles, web series and other podcasts available for you to enjoy. While you're there, go ahead and contact us. We would love to hear from you. And to stay updated, like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and we stream on Twitch every once in a while. Um, intro, intro and outro music is provided by bensound.com and uh, go ahead and please check out uh, y'all's comics. Please. Uh, I'm at... I'm Mark L. Dude on everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can find my comics at gumroad.com slash Mark L. Dude. Uh, I'm Mom. Uh, you can find me at Mom Comics, all one word, um, on Facebook, Twitter. Um, Instagram, I have an underscore between Mom and Comics. I'm also starting to stream on Twitch, but yeah. Wow. Go check out my stuff. My stuff is on Comixology and Gumroad as well. All right. Yes. And uh, yes, also, um, always support your local businesses. Have a wonderful weekend. GGG. Woo, see ya, Comic Con. Yes. Oh, yeah, we have a panel. <laughs> <laughs>